Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I am very excited to have Heidi Hills join us. And she's a seasoned channel sales professional in the networking and security space. As a channel sales leader with several companies, she's led and worked with some of the largest channels in our industry. So Heidi, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Thank you, Chris. I'm so humbled and honored that you're asking me to do this today. Oh, no, I'm really the one honored. So thank you. Well, why don't we, you know, I didn't really do your background justice. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, your background in channel and tech sales? Sure. Um, So tech sales is actually my second career. I was actually in the financial services industries for about 10, uh, 12 years. And then I went into the technology industry, starting with Sprint and Wireline and Wireless back in 2003. And then a wonderful headhunter I met at a networking event, Dot Burrell, who actually is in the tech industry now. She was a headhunter at the time. She actually introduced me to the idea of cybersecurity and technology. And then Chris Scanlon, who uh, a lot of people know in the industry, took a chance on me and I started my career carrying a bag at Acumont. And I think that direct sales motion as a reseller really gave me an understanding of the relationship between customers and vendors and really where the reseller plays a role. And that's where I moved into channels with Juniper. Most recently, my past was with Palo Alto Networks for a number of years. And now I'm at Critical Start uh, in a services vertical. It's funny. I didn't know that you had carried a bag at Acumont. I did. I did it for three years. And I have to tell you, I had some wonderful people around me, you know, Jeff Skelton, Eric Freeland, amazing people who actually taught me the love of educating myself uh, in the industry, as well as how to be a really good rep. And so I've just carried that on for the rest of my career of how do I make sure that everybody has somebody that's a champion like they are in your corner. Yeah. So it's interesting. I didn't also didn't know you had switched uh, industries. So what was, yeah. um, I imagine there were some challenges switching from the financial industry to the tech world as a sales rep, you, you know, going back to the memory banks, what do you rec- recall as being some of those challenges? Well, I think if you look at the timeline, I actually, uh, 9-11 had, had just happened. I was living on the East Coast and I just really did a reevaluation. I was actually working for UBS Payne Weber at the time. And I don't know, I think 9-11 really had an effect on me of I want something different. I didn't want to live on the East Coast anymore. Um, The threat was too real to me, I think. And so I actually moved all the way to California. And I just thought, what's the next best fun thing. And I always look for things that I'm interested in, that I'm fun, that I can create a passion around. And at the time it was technology. And I started 
you know, playing with things like the phones and the, I guess, routers and switches and closets. And I just got really interested in it. So that was the the next switch. And now I think the third switch will be somewhere in real estate investing and multifamily, commercial properties, things like that. Yeah. Well, I love that you made the decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, clearly maybe you weren't feeling it was right, which a lot of people may sit in that environment for a really long time and never make the decision to make the change. And then more importantly, take the action. I loved how you made the decision and took the action and moved forward. I think a lot of people don't realize that the skill sets are so transferable across industries that if they can define something that they're good at, that they can move those skill sets into a new industry. So even when I was in the financial services industry, I knew that I loved people and I knew that I loved meeting new people and networking and really having transparent conversations. And so moving that skill set into technology was quite easy. It was actually trying to find somebody who would take a chance on me was the hard part. <laughs> right, right. And ultimately it comes down to knowing somebody that knows somebody that uh, maybe puts in a good word. So once again, that the power of building those relationships, you just never know when you that person know. you meet could introduce you to another person that you could meet that could provide you that next job, that next opportunity or the next referral. Yeah. I mean, I was at a networking event. I was standing somewhat by myself and Dot Burrell just came over and introduced herself to me. And we had not known each other at all. And she was a great networker. And I thank her every day for my career. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine if you're going to be a kick butt recruiter, you better be good at networking, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> and and here I was, I thought I was good. She makes me look like I don't know anything. So yeah. I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, That's awesome. Well, so Heidi, channel sales is different than direct sales. But as a channel sales rep, it brings along a whole nother list of challenges that are unique to the role. Uh, you know, why, why do you love doing it? I think for me, once I carried a bag at Acuvant, I realized I was good at resolving conflict and kind of teaching and helping people to be successful, like whether it be my client, my counterparts, you know, whoever. And so this kind of played into also what's something for me personally, which is my servant heart. I always mm-hmm. want like everybody to be really successful. And I just live a life of abundance where I think that everybody can be successful. And so for me, national or channels in general played that role and it played into something that just really hit home with what I am as a person and who I identify with. And so I think that was the natural progression for me. Yeah, that makes, that's interesting. I mean, with that mindset, it makes sense, right? Because mm-hmm. it's one thing when you own the deal, it's another thing when you have a bunch of other salespeople that have to work collaboratively, you know, sometimes egos get in the way and people have different styles and opinions and guess who's at the top sort of pulling all those egos and differences, differences of opinion together, right? It's a channel manager. So yeah. recognizing that and having that skill is, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I guess I'm curious, um, you know, like in any role, right, the top 20% produce 80% of the re- results. And, you know, I've known you and worked with you in the past, and you would definitely were in that top 20%. Aww, um, well, Chris, thank you. That's so no, you're sweet. welcome. <laughs> no, you, you earned it. I mean, what do you, what's the secret behind your success? I think, first of all, really understanding your role, right, as a channel manager, your role is to represent the middle between 
the current company that you're working for and the partner that you support. And so the first thing that I always do is I really understand the business goals, strategies, go to markets of the partner. And then once you're well-educated on what your company's business goals, strategies, it's having those transparent conversations to align the two together and never like leaning too far to one side, always trying to stay in that middle ground of just bringing everybody together and then supporting that with, you know, good go-to-market plans, uh, good marketing strategies. And finally, the biggest thing is data. I am a data person. So give me the data that supports the go-to-market and we will run all day together. So I imagine, right, it's, you, you can have, so you're sort of running in between, you know, the mm-hmm. company you work for and the partner that you're representing. And sometimes, you know, some reps will lean too far one way or another. Absolutely. Um, I imagine at times when you're working with, you know, big partners and you're trying to kind of find ways to move forward, some sometimes are resistant, some are sometimes on board. Do you have any stories of where you were really challenged with uh, trying to find that middle ground and maybe how you, how you got around it or got over it and able to turn it into something successful? I think in my early days at, at Palo, um, we had started our partnership with Insight and we were doing sub $500,000 with them. Oh, wow. And I really count Insight as one of the uh, biggest highlights of my career only because we took that sub, you know, 500,000 to 72 million wow. um, in five years, right? That's incredible. And just the growth. I think they were a misunderstood partner and really taking the time and understanding their leadership, creating those relationships, and then aligning our go-to-market at the time, Palo, uh, with them and not trying to boil the ocean, just getting very pinpointed on, all right, let's start with the, the basic firewall strategy and then we can move into endpoint and then we can move into cloud and and really growing the two companies together as the industry changed over five years. You know, I got the benefit of growing in the cloud with Palo Alto Networks because of the Google executives who joined and trans, you know, transforming that company into the company it is today. And then having Insight grow as a partner and change their strategy from a typical DMR, you know, old school term, to a really well-integrated, almost SI in some cases. And and they, they look very different today than they did, you know, five, six years ago. And so I've got the benefit of growing with both of those companies and also learning cloud strategies, working with large vendors such as, you know, AWS and, you know, Microsoft, incorporating those into our strategies, having really good eco partners that added. And so I think for me, that was, that's probably my biggest win for me personally, was the growth that I actually was able to have as a person. And then also the win of that partner doing so well uh, with our relationship. Yeah, I imagine that was a fun ride. It was. And and it was, uh, you know, it's still going today. I mean, yeah. there's um, some amazing teammates that are still there and they're doing a great job. And 
you know, I still look at them in, in a different way than any other partner I've ever supported, you know, and I've, I've supported a lot. And so it's just, um, it's just fun. And I think that's, that's my biggest win coming into, you know, this next phase of my career. No, that's, that's really, that's really great. So if you were to take, and you touched on some great points, but if you were to take one lesson learned from that success and then rewind it and take it back into some of your earlier channel roles, you know, what's one thing that you might take and, and, and do more of? Don't always judge a partner by what you think they do. Dig in, really understand where you think they're going and understand where they want to go to and get, get on board. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is so much more fun to work with a partner when you really embrace their business strategies and can add with the vendor that you work for. Right. And I made the mistake of pigeonholing them, you know, the first, I think, year, year and a half. And I had the the beauty of having, you know, Mike Tatum, Bob Kane, and Chuck Manos really change my mindset of how they actually work and broaden my scope of what they actually did. And I really would tell a young channel manager, don't underestimate your partners and don't pigeonhole them. Really listen to them and jump on board with their strategies because. Once you do that, the conversations become so dynamic and you do things that you you didn't even know you could. I mean, lab environments, CPPO programs. I mean, all of that didn't exist when I first started that program. And, you know, now look at it. It's it's flourishing. It's amazing. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later, Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge, so I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now, let's get back to the show. So you touch on something there that uh, I I just want to double click on a little bit. So I've been in lots of meetings with lots of channel managers over the years. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about right now is talking to the partner in terms of what they're doing, where they're going, their strategy. And so I'm sure when you're in a meeting, right, you're parroting and, and restating, you know, some of the things they're trying to do versus I've been in lots of meetings where the partner rep, um, they're excited, nothing wrong with it, but they're spending all their time talking about their vendor strategy and where we're trying to go. And at the end of the day, guess what? That partner doesn't care. You know, they right. care about their margin, their strategy, and you're one of many vendors. How do you help them get where they're going? You know, maybe some fantastic program we have as a vendor just isn't relevant to that partner strategy. So who cares, right? And so I think clearly you get that. You just hit on the biggest thing that a channel manager, successful channel managers cross the board. I mean, I have worked with the most elite teams out there. And when I look at the ones who are most successful, that's what they do. They literally look and help the vendor reps. So let's say a Juniper rep, a Palo rep, you know, whoever 
understand more about the partner so that they can come together as opposed to talking at each other. Mm-hmm. I think in this industry, a lot of times, you know, technology people talk at each other instead of really sitting at the table and saying, hey, what can we do more, better, different? And let's think about this. Like, it doesn't always have to look like it did five, 10 years ago. It can look so much different. And I think even today in the cloud environments, you know, what do resellers have to offer that's so different? In the cloud environments, you're looking at resellers who can help, you know, make the stickiness of your product, help with, you know, any services around your product, can incorporate it into larger technology builds where, you know, you're one piece of a larger program where there are multi-vendor approaches. And I think once you start to understand that as a channel manager, getting your reps to understand that and then getting them on board, the excitement just grows. And I've had the benefit of working with some amazing um, account reps who have really just jumped on board and said, you know what, I really understand your partners, whether it be, you know, the insights of the world, the Dells, the Microsofts, the, you know, Sirius E pluses, you know, I mean, I could, I could name the myriad of lists that I've supported over the years that you just got to understand them and then get on board with their future as well as your own. Mm-hmm. And once those two things align, it just creates such a great synergy. Yeah. You know, and even just down to the people level, right? At the end of the day, it's a, this is a people business and yeah. every every channel rep and every sales rep, they're they're all unique. And, you know, building that relationship can make the job significantly easier versus, Absolutely. like you said, just talking at them versus talking with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think some of the best presentations that I do even today are the ones where they're more interactive. I don't want to ever be the smartest person in the room. So I live my life based upon a philosophy of I've, I've never been enough. It's a program that I created probably, you know, when I was like, you know, in my infancy, right? But I gained a little bit of power from it across my life where I never want to be the smartest, the prettiest, the wealthiest, the nicest, right? In the room, because if, if that's the case, I'm in the wrong room. I need to move to a different room. I need to continue to expand and to, to grow. And, and what I find is people sometimes get really comfortable in the room that they're in. And, you know, I, I was taught a philosophy that if you, if you're not growing and learning, you're decaying. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of embrace that. And I say, you know what, I need it. I need a different room. And I just keep putting myself in different rooms. And I and I love, love it, it, you know. I love it. Well, they say that you are the average of the five people that you're closest to. So oh, if you're with I five, been, <laughs> you're with four I other people that, that aren't growing, I love right? It. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's so funny is I I did, you know, my husband and I took a wealth course, I want to say about, I don't know, eight years ago. And they did this exercise. <laughs> and my husband and I just started laughing about the fact that we were the lowest in the room of the five friends, first of all. And we also kind of took a step back and said, it's interesting to us that we continue friendships across the board. Like I, I try really hard never to just end friendships. I don't think Mm -hmm. that that's what life's about and just keep expanding. But now in my later years, I'm finding that, you know, the five people are more family 
And it's more almost people that you choose as family, like those friends that you choose as family. And I still find myself to be the lowest rung on five people. It's yeah. hilarious. I mean, I come from a family of rock stars. I mean, my my sister's, you know, uh, just retired on Friday. She's an amazing attorney out of Connecticut. My brother is, you know, a uh, managing partner at, you know, one of the SIs out there. My other sister is an amazing mother. She had a daughter who almost passed away. And, um, you know, she fought back with, you know, her mother. And, oh, wow. you know, now she's, you know, an excellent PA and and she does a great thing. You know, I, I just come from a family of really amazing people. And I still find myself the lowest rung. And that's yeah. okay. That's okay. I, I love that's it. And they continually teach me. So... Yeah, I was at a, uh, and as soon as you think you are maybe at that top rung, that's when somebody <laughs> will quickly knock you down, right? You, yeah. it's, there's always somebody bigger, faster, stronger, better, whatever it might be. And I, I was at a, I was at a weekend real estate conference, uh, I guess over the summer and, you know, I was feeling pretty good. Felt like I'd accomplished some things. I'm sitting in a room, there's only about 40 people, but pretty much everybody in that room was heads and tails above and beyond anything that I was doing. And more importantly, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling bad about myself, but I walked away from that right. event. My mind was totally blown. I looked at things differently. And that's what happens when you expose yourself to people that are beyond what you're doing, that have done what you want to do, or maybe had done it at a whole nother level, you learn and it makes what you're doing significantly better. Yeah. Yeah. We had the, we had a very similar experience. We actually had it close to our home. We had a new neighbor. We moved into our new house that we bought and we were down sharing and we thought we were doing good because we had a couple of single family properties and, you know, we were doing all right. And next thing I know is uh, my neighbor two doors down shared with us that he is a multifamily investor, been doing it since he was 18. He is the GC. He owns, you know, multiple companies. I mean, he absolutely blew our doors off. And yet you meet him. He's probably one of the most normal down-to-earth guys. And he has taught us, taught me and, and my husband more than I could ever have asked from anyone. He shares strategies. I'm finding that people who are at the upper echelons are so willing to share. And I think yeah. that's where I feel that, you know, once again, it's a servant's heart. Just everybody should be successful. So how do we raise the tide? How do we just bring everybody into the fold? That's right. And that's where we're at right now. You know, well, that's great. Well, and that's, you know, the theme of the podcast here is if you first need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best, and then, yeah. you know, once you've earned it, how do you take some of those harder commission dollars and redeploy them or redeploy those dollars in ways that'll generate some of that additional income stream to create that freedom that we're all looking for, whether it's for mm -hmm. yourself to do charitable, charitable causes, yeah. um, you know, and real estate, as we talked about, is one of those ways. And by the way, if any of the listeners are looking to learn more about investing in real estate, they can go to our website and download a free ebook on passive investing in real estate. It's hightechfreedom.com, same name as the podcast. And just scroll down, you'll see it there. We also have a newsletter that we're doing where we'll offer both sales-related and real estate-related tips. So go ahead and sign up for that if you're interested. So Heidi, to you, I, I'd be, I'm curious, kind of going a little bit further on that discussion around maybe some of the real estate stuff you've done. How do you take some of those commission dollars and how have you redeployed them over the years to build up that additional income stream? Well, that's funny. 
Chris, the first thing I tell anybody, you know, once again, it's from my financial services background is first and foremost, take advantage of those company plans, you know, 401k, ESPP, you know, all down the line. Um, make making sure you're maximizing that out. Find strategies that are in line with your risk tolerance, right? You have to really understand yourself and be able to sleep at night with what you're investing in. And then the last is educate yourself on areas that are interest, right? So my husband and I have an interest in real estate. I always have. I used to flip houses when I was in, you know, California. Now we own commercial, residential, which is single family and multifamily. We actually are silent partners in business as an advisor. Um, We've done affiliated marketing. Most recently, I started uh, understanding a little bit more about cryptocurrencies. There's so many things out there that you can invest in and you can maximize your money. And I always look for multiple streams of income. How do we make my money get a job? So I need my money working for me and bringing more dollars back into you know our household. And we just look for that. And we look for things that, you know, some things are really risky. You know, cryptocurrencies are probably the most risky thing I've ever done. But once again, what's our risk tolerance? Is that something we put a lot of money in? No, it's it's where we're starting. And we are really comfortable in single families. We are getting really comfortable in multifamilies. We are being taught commercial and just get in the water, get in the water, do the investment, surround yourself with people who actually do it and can teach you. And, you know, things like my 401k, my husband's 401k, our investment portfolio, that's all stuff that I used to know when I worked in the financial services industry. But I'm not the expert anymore. So I actually have advisors that I go to in those areas. And so I look to other people to be the the subject matter experts or SMEs, as we call it in tech, and teach me enough that I feel comfortable and it meets my risk tolerance that I'll put money into it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we look at. We look at how many different streams of income can keep coming back in. And then what happens is, is, Part of that money goes out to charity. Part of that money goes to family supporting, you know, different you know initiatives. And then once again, it goes back out to go work again. Yeah. So it's it's just a philosophy that we've grown up with. You know, make our money work for for more money to bring in. I love it. I love it. And you know, I think when you're early, uh, early in your career, obviously you want to get on top of that. And one of the things that we did was we were investing in real estate, but I think what worked out really well was we didn't take any of that cash flow out, right? We left it in the account. And as soon as there was enough in there, I'd throw some more commission dollars at it and then roll that into the next one. And the, uh, you know, you get compounding upon, upon compounding upon compounding. And then, you know, 15 years later, you know, you're, you're probably going to be sitting in a pretty good position. So Whatever it is, I just encourage anybody that's in tech sales, you're going to get that first big commission check. I remember I got my first one and I was actually afraid to call my boss. And finally, I talked to him. I was at Lucent at the time and uh, Fred Lambeck. He says, Chris, you haven't said anything about that commission check. I was like, well, Yeah, I got it. He's like, you don't sound very excited about it. I'll take it back if you, if you don't want it. I love that. Um, but I was so, you know, I did, I was like, you know, it was the biggest amount I'd ever seen. And, you know, I was smart enough to go do something with it. I, I did get myself one toy, but, 
I definitely, you know, tried to get as much of that invested in different things, you know, generate some future income. So I will make you laugh, but one of my old bosses, Ken Marks, when I got my job at Juniper, flew to Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I live. And I picked him up in my car and I took him to, you know, the hotel that he was staying at. And we wished to start talking. And I was telling him about, I just bought a foreclosed home and I moved in and was starting to like fix it up. He's like, that's great. And he looked right at me and goes, he goes, yeah, I know how much money you make. You need to go buy a new car. And I looked at him and I was like, no, I'm living within my means. I'm not extending myself. And he said, I know this is going to sound terrible, but I want my channel managers in as much debt as possible. And he said, it makes you work harder. And I'll never forget that. And I went out and I actually did buy a new car right (laughs) at the time. But I remember kind of coming back and, you know, thinking, wow, I really need to live almost kind of a quasi life where, yes, I reward myself if I do get that big commission check. But once again, that commission check is really about how hard I worked. Right. And now I've got to duplicate myself. So I've got to take that money and make it go work for me. And some things are going to fail. And don't be afraid to fail. Right. You're going to invest in a single family property and you're going to lose money. Right. Or you're going to you know, invest in some company and you're going to lose money. Right. That's the beauty of what we do in the tech industry. Go out and work harder, make more money. That's how it works. Then go and invest again. Failing forward, always finding the next thing. Why did it fail? Right. Find another avenue. And I laugh, but that moment when he told me to go out and buy the new car and I bought the new car for myself. That felt amazing because I could do it. And then I realized I want, I I like toys. I like (laughs) work for me. And that's what I took away from that. Go make my money work. I love it. The, uh, a friend of mine, he calls those, uh, those failures. He calls them seminars. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that terminology. Cause that's true. You're learning, you're learning in your worst failures. You still learn. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, the beauty of life is just keep learning. It is. It is. Well, hey, as we wrap up, uh, you know, I know you're doing some different things to give back. What uh, what do you have going on right now? So right now we do a lot of donating money just because working in high tech, you don't necessarily have a lot of time. Right. So we donate to a lot of different charities and things like that. And then what I do is I actually make some of my personal goals for the following year into charities. So whether I sit on a board or running, you know, 5Ks for a specific charity, raising money for a specific cause, or taking part in events that are fun with friends. We just did a a amazing, I want to say, bingo night for a cancer cause. And my friends had so much fun. We just kept buying different things. We all came with a certain amount of money and we just gave it all away at the end of the night. And that was our way of just having a fun night with us, but it was a way for us to give back. So I'm finding that combining my own personal goals, as well as my friendships into my charitable giving, I'd love to participate on more boards. I'd love to do more charity events. I just... Once again, working in high tech, I know, you know, between high tech and your family, there's not a lot of time 
you know, outside of that. So we do the best we can at this point. And I do a lot of mentoring and coaching. I think that's the other thing. I try to give back by Mm -hmm. mentoring other people, not only in the industry, but maybe in life itself. So I do, you know, 90 day coaching with people, you know, try to move them into like the next elevation of their life. So those are all the things that I do. That's really great. I love how you set the goals around charitable activities. Sometimes people do it, but it's just, you know, they do it as they think about it and maybe they're not as intentional. So I think that's really great that you do that. Well, we're in the goal setting season right now, you know, December, January, February, everybody gets their goals for the year. So it's like, what did I accomplish? What do I want to accomplish next? So it's goal setting season. So I would just throw a couple out there on on everybody's uh, list. And I challenge you to do that. That's right. Yeah, get on it. Well, hey, um, so Heidi, if somebody would like to get hold of you, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn is easiest. Uh, I always answer all messages. Uh, no matter who you are, I will always answer you. I also have a personal email, Heidi at TK Investing. It's, uh, it stands for turnkeys because everything we do is really a turn in kite investing. And then my current role at Critical Start is Heidi.Hills at CriticalStart.com. All right. Well, Heidi, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you. As always, Chris, adore you. Loved, uh, you know, you reaching out so many months ago. Uh, We had lost touch for a little while, but I love it. And uh, you know what? This is uh, just a great opportunity for people to take their careers and their personal lives and everything to the next level. And I'm here to help. I would love to see people succeed. Keep on learning. We'll take care. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.